We are continuing our study on Colossians. The name of the study is called Established in Grace. This is teaching number 32, which is prayer and resisting religious pressure, or how does prayer help us resist religious pressure? It comes out of Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And Paul makes this statement to the believers in Colossae whom he's writing to. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. What I want us to do is I want us to understand why is Paul telling the church in Colossae to devote themselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And I say that because it's important not to isolate this verse from its context, not to extract it from its context. I know when I've taught before on books of the Bible and what Paul typically does is the first several chapters, he establishes believers in the gospel. And then later on, he'll talk about prayer and putting off the old, putting on the new. I remember when I was teaching on Colossians before, I mean, I'm I'm on Colossians chapter one and how the gospel changed the lives of the Colossian people and how they just simply heard the gospel. And by hearing and understanding the gospel, it began to transform their lives without them doing anything. They began to grow without doing anything because they understood everything Jesus did for them in Christ, the Colossian people. That's been the case of the gospel as I've taught it since 1990. It's people just begin to grow when they hear and understand. And I remember having somebody as a part of this Colossians Bible study I was doing is immediately they go from Colossians chapter one and they flip their pages and they say, but Paul says we need to be devoted to prayer. And people need to practice that spiritual discipline of praying. And Brad, you're saying people don't have to do anything. And I'm like, well, you know, give me time to get to that verse. Let's don't jump ahead of Paul on writing the book. Let's don't jump ahead. We're going to get to that verse. And we're going to understand that verse within the context of Colossians. Because the last thing we want to do is pull this verse out of context and say, see what the Bible says? You need to be practicing spiritual disciplines. And one of the disciplines is prayer. And you need to be devoted to prayer. That's taking that verse totally out of context. That's not what Paul meant at all, establishing a spiritual discipline for believers. So let's take a look at this verse in context. First of all, is the Colossian believers were under tremendous pressure to abandon the God of grace. This is seen in Colossians 2, 8 through 10. Paul writes, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, which are based on human tradition and the spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. So these teachers were moving them away from the person of Christ and the work of Christ, who Christ is and what Christ did for them on the cross. So there were those who were seeking to to move them away from who Jesus is and what Jesus did for them. And so Paul goes on to write in verse 9, he says, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And you have been made complete in Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. The ruler and authority there in the context, from my understanding, are, are the religious rulers, the spiritual rulers who seek to be in authority over believers and try to get them to follow the traditions, to follow the, to be disciplined, to try to get something from God, to work, to put forth effort rather than resting 
in who Christ and what Christ has done. So they were being told that Jesus was not completely God. Look at verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Well, that comes after verse 8, which says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. The empty deception and the philosophy there was Jesus isn't God. And they were trying to figure out, the philosophers of the day, who is God? Can you know this God? And Paul's saying, yes, there is a God. His name is Jesus. And you can know God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. The believers were under tremendous pressure to believe that Jesus was not completely God. And then secondly, the Colossian believers were under tremendous pressure to abandon the grace of God. Look at verse 10. It says, and you have been made complete in Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. So what Paul is saying is, Jesus is completely God, and you are complete in Christ. So if we wanted to take a couple verses out and say, this is what Paul is writing about. This is why he writes this letter. He's writing the letter to prove to the people and to educate the people in Colossae that Jesus is completely God. And secondly, he's writing to educate them that you are complete in Christ. So don't let any religious leader, don't let any spiritual leader tell you that Jesus isn't enough that the cross isn't enough, that faith in Jesus isn't enough, that his blood isn't enough. They were being told they needed to meet certain expectations to be in a close relationship with God. We're told those things in our generation as well. If you really want to be close to God, have no unconfessed sin in your life, because if you have unconfessed sin in your life, that disrupts fellowship with God. And when you have disrupted fellowship with God, then you can't experience closeness with God. So make sure you have no unconfessed sin in your life, which that's an impossibility. And, and if no unconfessed sins are required, then everybody's always going to be out of fellowship with God. We can be honest and open about what we're going through in our lives and struggles we may be having. We can be open and honest because we are in fellowship with God. And the believers were being told they needed to have certain experiences if they want to be in a close relationship with God. And people are told this today. If, if you want to really have a deeper relationship with God, you need to be, quote, baptized in the spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues, which, which is not biblical. It's taking verses out of context. And so the people back then were being told the same things. If you want to be close to God, here's the expectations. If you want to be close to God, here's the experiences you need to have. They were being told again, grace is not enough. Faith is not enough. The cross is not enough. Jesus is not enough. And they were being pressured by these spiritual leaders to abandon grace. They're being pressured to abandon the God of grace, who is Jesus, and they were being pressured to abandon the grace of God, which is everything Jesus did for us. So Paul told them that through prayer, they could resist the religious pressure that they were under. Now Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, where Paul says, be devoted to prayer, this verse now in its context makes a lot of sense. So we're not taking this verse and putting it on somebody to say, hey, you need to be devoted to prayer and practice the spiritual discipline of prayer. What we're doing is we're helping people understand why Paul wrote this to the audience in Colossae, and then how does it apply to us? 
So Paul told them that through prayer, they could resist the religious pressure they were under. And he told them first to be consistently watchful in prayer. That's what the word devote means. It simply means be consistent. This is not a monk who devotes his life to prayer. This is not a monk life. I'm devoting myself to God. I'm devoting myself to prayer. That's really religious flesh because the Christian life is not about my devotion to God. It's about the devotion of Christ to us. It's his devotion to us that changes us, not our devotion to him. So when Paul writes in Colossians 4, 2, devote, that means consistent. Be consistent in your prayer, being watchful, or consistently being watchful in prayer. Well, watchful to what? Why does he even use the word watchful? Or the word alert would be another word we could use rather than watchful. So why did the Colossians need to be alert or to watch in their prayers? What did they need to watch for? What did they need to be alert to? Well, we can learn a lot about this from Epaphras. Epaphras is the one that traveled to Rome where Paul was in prison. He's the one that alerted Paul to the religious pressure that the Colossian people were under. He's the one that, that alerted Paul to, hey, they're being pressured to abandon the God of grace, and they're being pressured to abandon the grace of God. Paul had never met the Colossian people, but Epaphras had heard Paul speak in Ephesus when he was speaking in the lecture hall for three years. Epaphras and Philemon traveled from Colossae to Ephesus. They hear Paul speaking and teaching about the gospel of grace. And so they come back to Colossae and they start a church in Philemon's home where Philemon and Epaphras begin to teach the people about the gospel of grace, specifically Epaphras. And we can learn about that in Colossians chapter one, three through eight. And Paul explains that, but we get the heart of Epaphras. Epaphras had left Colossae because the people were under a lot of pressure and he wanted to go to Paul, who was his mentor in the gospel of grace. And so Paul writes a letter back to the Colossian people to educate them more fully in the God of grace, who is Jesus, and in the grace of God, which is what Jesus has done. And so look in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, it says Epaphras, who is one of you, he was a Colossian believer, he is one of you, he's a servant of Christ Jesus. If you want to look in Acts 26, 15 through 18, a servant of Christ was one who was sharing the gospel of grace, complete forgiveness in Christ, complete righteousness in Christ. Our sanctification has already been completed for us in the person of Christ, and we receive forgiveness and sanctification by faith in Jesus. And Paul was a servant of Christ in sharing the message of grace. Epaphras joined Paul's team, and he became a servant of Christ, Jesus, in sharing the gospel of grace. So Epaphras who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. And what was Epaphras praying for the church in Colossae? That you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. That they would stand confident, knowing Jesus is completely God, and they are complete in Christ. Why was Epaphras praying with, for them with such passion? Because they were trying to be taken captive through empty deception, through philosophy, through the mystics that were now in Colossae, through the Judaizers who were in Colossae. And we looked a, a lot of 
what was going on in Colossae in the early teachings of our study on Colossians. But these were the ones who were trying to get them to meet expectations. These were the ones who were trying to get them to have experiences. And they were telling the Colossian people that Jesus isn't completely God and you're not complete in Christ. There's more. You need more. You need to go deeper in your relationship with God. You need to meet the expectations. You need to have the experiences. You need to go beyond Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and Christ in you. You need to have these experiences. And the people were beginning to feel, wow, I need to go deeper in my relationship with God. Some people may be, I need to go deeper in my prayer life. I need to go deeper in this area. I I need to speak in tongues or I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to get away with God more. It's, It's always more that we need to do that we're told by religious leaders and that the people in Colossae were being told. It it was Jesus is not enough. So Epaphras was wrestling in prayer for them. He was fighting for them in prayer. He was extremely concerned about their spiritual health because they were on the verge of being deceived. They were on the verge of walking away from the God of grace and walking away from the grace of God. So he was praying for them passionately, and he wanted to talk to Paul about it, and Paul writes a letter back to them. Now, what did they need to watch for or be alert to, and how did it relate to prayer? Again, Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through empty deception and philosophy and the Judaizers and the mystics who had come into town. So they needed to watch for those who were attacking the identity of Jesus, who was the God of grace, and they needed to watch for those who were attacking the accomplishments of Jesus. That's the grace of God. They needed then to pray for others as they prayed, like like Epaphras was praying for them. Paul said, hey, pray for one another that you won't fall prey to deception, that your minds won't be taken captive by those who are pushing a different God on you and who are pushing the cross of Jesus away from you, who are pushing the grace of God away from you. Pray that you won't fall to their deception, because that's what was happening during this time period. Paul was bringing the gospel of grace into the Gentile cities, but the religious leaders were always seeking to poison the minds of people against Paul. You don't want to listen to Paul. Paul will lead you astray. Paul will lead you away. And you can look, really, starting in Acts 14, it was said by Luke, who's writing, he said, and the leaders began to poison the minds of the people against Paul. That became the consistent pressure that the people were under because Paul's bringing the gospel of grace to people. And we're going to look deeper into what it is, what that is in just a moment. And as Paul brought the gospel of grace, it was breaking the human traditions And it was breaking religious traditions that were so prevalent during that time. And so they were warning people about Paul. You don't need to listen to Paul. Paul leads you away. Paul leads you astray. And the people of Colossae were beginning to buy in to these people warning them about Paul or the teachings of Paul that came from Epaphras. So as it relates to prayer and helping us resist religious pressure is we want to be consistently watchful in prayer about those who would lead us away from the gospel, lead us away from the fullness of what God has done for us in Christ and the fullness of 
that God is Christ, that Jesus is God. So secondly, we want to be consistently thankful in prayer. Paul says in Colossians 4 to devote or, or be consistent. And again, he's not talking about be consistent about having a quiet time here. Paul never put that spiritual discipline on people. Hey, if you want to get close to God, you need to have a consistent quiet time. I had a consistent quiet time for years as a believer, but I was never taught the gospel. Yes, I was taught that Jesus is God, and I was taught Jesus died on the cross for all my sins, but the fullness of what God did for me in Christ, I was never taught. I was taught that if you want to relate to God, you need to be consistent in your daily quiet time. You need to be consistent in your prayer life. You need to be consistent in your Bible reading. You need to be consistent in your confession of sins. You need to be consistent in getting away with God and just you and God. So my whole life was about me being consistent to the spiritual disciplines rather than me understanding the spiritual truth of grace. And that's why Paul wrote Colossians. He's establishing the people in the spiritual truths of grace, not in spiritual disciplines. So in Colossians 4.2, Paul's not saying you need to practice the discipline of prayer. That happens in so many churches and small groups and Sunday school classes and conferences. You need to be devoted to prayer. That's extracting this verse from its context. It's isolating this verse from the proper interpretation that's needed in order to understand it. So what does Paul mean? It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being thankful, consistently being thankful in prayer. Well, we can learn a lot about prayer from Paul as it relates to thanksgiving. In Colossians 1, 3 through 8, Paul gives thanks to God the Father for the Colossian people because he had heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus. He had heard of their love for one another. He had heard about their growth in the gospel of grace the day they heard it and understood it, and they heard it and understood it from Epaphras. That's Colossians 1, verse 8. So Paul was giving thanks to God the Father for their growth in the gospel of grace and how it produced in them love for one another. There's a lot of people who would seek to take people captive in the sense that they're going to try to convince people that, boy, this grace that Brad is teaching or this grace that this other person's teaching, is it's going to lead people away from God. It's going to lead people into sin. Well, that's not true biblically at all. What grace does, is we, and we see it in Colossians chapter 1, 3 through 8, grace grows a person. Grace produces growth. Grace produces energy and excitement, and grace empowers us. But there will be people who will try to, to take others captive and push them away from those who are, who are seeking to teach the gospel. Look what Jesus said to Paul. This is the ascended Jesus talking to Paul about what to tell the Gentiles in the Gentile cities. Acts 26, 17 through 18, Jesus says, I am sending you, Paul, to them, the Gentiles, to open their eyes, to help them see spiritual truth, not to lead them to spiritual disciplines, but to help them see spiritual truth. I am sending them to you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. I am sending you to them, the ascended Jesus said to Paul in Acts 26, 17 and 18, so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So we see what the gospel is here. 
Forgiveness of sins is received by faith, and sanctification is received by faith. I was always taught that sanctification was a process, that as we grow in our relationship with God, we're sanctified. That's just not biblical. Sanctification is the act of God where he declares you to be pure and clean and sets you apart for his purposes the moment you place your faith in Jesus. So sanctification isn't a process. Sanctification is a one-time act where God, because of what Christ has done for us, says you are clean and you are pure of all sins, and I'm setting you apart for my purposes, which is to allow my love to flow through you to others and for whatever other purposes he may have for us. So forgiveness is linked to sanctification. We receive forgiveness. We receive sanctification. There's no effort on our part. Now, this breaks a lot of the traditional things that people are taught in churches and and by their spiritual leaders. But what we have to do is we have to go with what Jesus taught. And it's really clear here. Sanctification comes by faith in Jesus, who are sanctified. It's done. It's finished. And that's what the book of Hebrews is about. We have been sanctified, made pure and clean by faith. Now, Paul teaches these truths to Epaphras. Epaphras takes these truths into Colossae. The religious leaders are seeking to get the church in Colossae, the believers in Colossae, to abandon these truths that you are completely forgiven, to abandon the truth that you have been sanctified by faith. These are two of the truths that the religious leaders, the spiritual leaders, are trying to get them to abandon. But what Paul does, notice what Paul does. Paul tells the Colossian believers in his letters to give thanks to the Father, which, again, goes back to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Be devoted to prayer. Be consistent in giving thanks to the Father. So Paul's already talked about thanksgiving in Colossians 1, 12 through 14. So when we, when we read Colossians 2, 4, when he talks about giving thanks, we want to go back into Colossians to see, has Paul talked about thanksgiving in Colossians leading up to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2? Has he talked about being thankful? If he's already talked about thanksgiving and he's already talked about being thankful, well, then that's going to be the content of Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, when Paul says to be consistent in being thankful in your prayers. So look what he says about giving thanks to the Father in Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father. About what? And he tells, here's the content of thanksgiving. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Notice how what Paul writes right here flows right out of what Jesus told him in Acts 26, 17 through 18. I am sending you to them. This is Acts 26, 17 through 18. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power or the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, remember those verses and read Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued you from the dominion. The word dominion 
here is the same word for power in Acts 26, 18. It's the same two words in the Greek. So why are we giving thanks? God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. That's the satanic dominion where we're living as unforgiven people and as unsanctified people, living in guilt, living in shame, living in self-condemnation. But God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption. That's the full payment of our sins, the forgiveness of sins, which goes back again into Acts 26, 17 through 18. So Paul has communicated the gospel of grace to Epaphras as a servant of Jesus, and that would be in Acts 26, 15 and 16. He talks about as a servant of Christ. He's sharing the gospel of grace. Epaphras takes it to the Colossian people, and Paul is telling them to give thanks for what God has done for them in Christ. Why? Because they're under tremendous pressure to abandon what God has done for them in Christ. And so one of the ways we can really be established in the gospel of grace is to be thankful for all that God has done for us in Christ which is what Paul says here. So why did Paul tell them to be thankful for, and how did, how did it relate to resisting religious pressure through prayer? Well, Paul says here, or here's what we can do based upon what Paul taught in Colossians, and based upon what the ascended Jesus communicated to Paul to teach the Gentiles. Here can be our, our prayer of thanksgiving in order to resist religious prayer. Thank you, Father, that you have qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints. God is the one who qualifies us. People are trying to qualify to get into the Olympics, and they're trying to qualify to get into the Olympics based upon their own hard work, their own training, and their own effort. Notice here that we don't qualify ourselves to share in the inheritance of the saints. But the Father has qualified us. How? Through Jesus, through the cross, through the blood of Christ. And the inheritance of the saints is we've been brought out of darkness into light. We're completely forgiven. We're righteous. We're justified. We're at peace with God. We're alive in Christ. Christ now indwells us. We put no effort into experiencing all that God has done for us in Christ. We don't gain it through effort. We experience it through faith, through trusting. So one of the ways we can escape religious pressure is by giving thanks to the Father. Thank you, Father, that you've qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints. There's no pressure on me to qualify myself. Thank you so much, Father, for what you've done for me in Christ. Thank you, Father, that you've rescued me from the dominion of darkness and you've brought me into the kingdom of Jesus. You've rescued me from the satanic dominion of darkness where I was living in shame and I was living in guilt and I was living in self-condemnation. And I was living wondering if I was forgiven or not or trying to stay forgiven. But thank you so much that part of my inheritance as a believer in Christ that you've qualified me to share in is that I now am in the kingdom of Jesus. I'm in the kingdom of light. I'm in the kingdom of spiritual truth. One of these truths is redemption, which we read about in the verse previously. It talks about in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption is the full payment of our sins on the cross. Jesus died for every sin. His blood paid for every sin. So being thankful that, thank you, Jesus, that you died for all of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid my sin penalty in full. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you're not counting my sins against me. Thank you, Father, for all that you did for us in Jesus. And I now possess the full forgiveness of all of my sins. See, most believers aren't taught to be thankful that they're forgiven. They're not taught to be thankful that they possess forgiveness. What they're taught is to request God's forgiveness on a daily basis so they can stay in fellowship with God. There's no biblical support for that. It's traditional, but it's not biblical. All right? It comes out of a false understanding of 1 John 1, 9, which is a verse for unbelievers. If we, that's just a, a general we, if we confess, acknowledge our sins, our being, again, a general our, the we's referring to the unbelievers that John is writing about in context, who are denying that they're sinners and who who are making God out to be a liar because God says all have sinned. Anyway, that's just a verse for an unbeliever to come to faith in Christ. So we want to be thankful that we possess forgiveness. It's ours. That's going to help us resist religious pressure because the religious pressure is coming. It came in the church in Colossae. It comes at so many believers today. You need to request God's forgiveness. You need to ask God's forgiveness on a daily basis. I had a guy yesterday send me, send me an email because he was listening to probably one of the, the most popular pastors in the United States of America. He has a great reputation, but he has this traditional view that unless all your sins are confessed, you're out of fellowship with God. And my friend was listening to this Bible teacher, and he's like, oh, my gosh, Brad, he's saying I'm out of fellowship with God if all my sins aren't confessed. And you're saying that I'm in fellowship with God, and we, we are honest and confess our sins because we're in fellowship, not to get in fellowship. And Brad, he's saying that when, when we have unconfessed sin in our lives, it disrupts our closeness to God. So we need to confess it so we can get close to God again. He's like, I'm confused because that pressure, he was living in the freedom of grace. He was so thankful. But then the pressure began coming to him based upon a Bible teacher in the United States that he really likes. So I was able to share with my friend just biblically and hopefully enable his mind not to be taken captive by this empty philosophy, this empty tradition that he was being taught. It can happen so easily that our joy that is ours in Christ can be taken from us quickly in one sermon on something we watch on TV or a Sunday morning sermon. All right, in Colossians 2, 6 through 9, Paul encourages the believers to overflow with thanksgiving. So we're looking at Paul's writing in Colossians 4, 2, to be consistently thankful to God in prayer so that you can resist the religious pressure that's coming at you to take you captive. So look what Paul writes in Colossians 2, 6 through 9 about thanksgiving. Therefore, just as you have received Christ as Lord. Now, this isn't Lordship Salvation. This is receiving Christ. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. His name is Jesus. And Romans chapter 10, if you want to read more about that, it's not promoting lordship salvation here, that in order to be saved, you have to make Jesus Lord. The word Lord simply means the Christ, the anointed one. And Romans 10 talks about that. It's how will they know that Jesus is the Lord unless someone goes and tells them? That's Romans 10. So the gospel came to the Colossian people. Jesus is Lord. The name of the Lord is Jesus. Peter talks about that in Acts chapter 2, verse 21. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And then he goes into Acts chapter 2 after 221, and he, and he tells the people, the name, of, the name of the Lord who you need to be called on to be saved is Jesus. So one of the empty philosophies and the deception that so many people are under is, well, you need to make Jesus Lord if you're going to be saved. Well, no, the Lord's name is Jesus. And we're going to trust in what he's done for us on the cross. And we're going to grow in our relationship with him as we understand more of what he did. Therefore, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord by grace through faith, continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught. He's telling these people who are under religious pressure and spiritual pressure that your spiritual growth is rooted in the spiritual truths of who Jesus is, not in your spiritual disciplines, not in your spiritual practices that these spiritual leaders are trying to move you away from who Christ is and what Christ has done. Well, that's not enough. You need to be consistent in these things if you're really going to grow. Paul says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, by grace through faith, continue to walk in him in what he's done for you at the cross and who he is in you. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught. The faith is the body of truth, the spiritual truth, established in the spiritual truths of grace. So therefore, Colossians 2, 6, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him by grace through faith, continue to live in grace, continue to trust in what Jesus has done for you. Jesus is completely God and you are complete in Christ. So continue to believe those truths, rooted and built up in Christ, that he is completely God and you are complete in him, established in the faith, Jesus is completely God, you are complete in him, just as you were taught by who? By Epaphras. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, Epaphras taught them the gospel of grace. The moment they heard it and understood it and all of its truth, it brought transformation to their lives. They begin to grow in grace. Their faith became stronger. Their hope became stronger. Fruit began to be produced in and through them simply by hearing and listening and learning and believing it to be true. Therefore, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Notice now we move into verse eight of Colossians two. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. What's Paul telling them here? He says, one of the ways that you can prevent yourself from being taken captive by those who are putting religious pressure on you to meet the expectations, to have the experiences, to be more disciplined in your prayer life, to be more disciplined in your quiet times, to be more disciplined in your daily devotions, which none of those are biblical. They're all based upon human tradition. Paul's saying the way that you can resist this religious pressure that's coming against you is overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. And as you and I are overflowing with thankfulness about all that God has done for us in Christ, because those truths are going to be so ingrained in us because we're just consistently, as we go through the day, God, thank you that I'm forgiven. God, thank you that I'm sanctified by faith in Jesus and I'm holy before you and I'm righteous before you and I'm clean before you and I've been purified from all my sins and I'm at peace with you because of what Christ has done and I'm under no condemnation 
and the spirit of Christ indwells me and I call God Abba Father and I can never be out of fellowship with you because Jesus, you died for all my sins. I'm always close to you, God, because of the blood of Christ that has drawn me close to you. You can see as, as we're overflowing with thankfulness, just, just in the routine of life, how these truths can become ingrained in us so that when these religious leaders begin to put pressure on us, oh, you, may, you need to make sure you have that daily quiet time. If people want to, they can. But there's no biblical mandate to have a daily quiet time. You need to make sure all your sins are confessed. When this religious pressure comes at us, that's going to actually create fear in us of somehow bringing an obstacle between us and God and, and, and pulling us away from God. We begin to relate to God in fear when we start practicing the disciplines. The spiritual disciplines are rooted in fear. Well, if I don't have my quiet time today, I'm not going to be close to God. And look what Paul says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, not established in fear, established in the spiritual truths of the gospel of grace and overflowing with thanksgiving. And as we're established and rooted and we're receiving what God has done for us in Christ, then verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, which are based upon human tradition and spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. God, thank you so much that you revealed yourself to us in Christ, that when we see Christ, we see God. And thank you for all that you've done for us in Christ. And you've been made complete in Christ. God, thank you that I'm complete in you. Thank you that I'm completely forgiven and completely righteous and completely loved and completely accepted and completely sanctified. I'm at complete forgiveness. I'm completely saved. Now we can understand more of Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, when, when Paul says, be consistent in watchful prayer and be consistent in thankful prayer, because that's going to help us resist the religious pressure that's coming at us in this context that was coming at the Colossian people. So overflowing with thankfulness for all that Jesus has done for us allows us, and these are based upon Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 10, allows us, one, to continue to walk in what Jesus did for us. That's Colossians 6, continue to walk in him. So as we're walking in thankfulness, we're walking in what God did for us in Christ. I'm walking in complete forgiveness. I'm walking in the fact that I'm righteous. So as we give thanks, giving thanks allows us to walk in the spiritual truths of grace. So overflowing with thanksgiving for all that Jesus has done for us allows us to continue to walk in what Jesus did for us, allows us to be planted in what Jesus did for us. That's rooted in him. So as we give thanks, we're growing stronger. The roots of our faith are growing deeper into the spiritual truths of the gospel of grace and the God of grace. All right, we're being planted. So those who would say, boy, this grace stuff is really going to make people weak. And this grace stuff is really going to cause people to go sin. It's going to make them apathetic. That's just not biblical. Their view of grace is much different than Paul's view of grace, much different than Jesus's view of grace. Once we understand the spiritual truths of grace and we begin giving thanks for these truths, we're going to be rooted more deeply in him. Stronger, we're going to be stronger spiritually. Continue to walk in what Jesus did for us. 
planted in what Jesus did for us. And as we give thanks, we're going to be strengthened in what Jesus did for us, which is what Paul said earlier, rooted, that's planted, and built up in him, that strengthened the spiritual truths of grace, strengthening us. And then overflowing with thanksgiving for all that Jesus has done for us allows us to be established more completely in what Jesus did for us. And that's when Paul said, established in the faith that you were taught. Well, how are we established in the faith that we were taught? Paul says, overflowing with thanksgiving. So the more we are thankful for what God has done for us in Christ, not out of legalism, not out of a spiritual discipline, but just in the the everyday walk of our relationship with God, we're thanking God for all that God has done for us in Christ We're going to continue to walk in these truths. We're going to resist the pressure from religious leaders and spiritual leaders and mentors and and disciplers, those who are discipling us, to walk away from what Christ did and, and begin walking in legalism. If we're giving thanks, these truths are going to be rooted in us. We're going to be more fully planted. It's going to be hard to uproot us and root us in the legalism. If I'm rooted in what Christ did for me on the cross and who Christ is in me, and I'm rooted in complete forgiveness and complete righteousness in Christ, that when I hear a message that's different than all that God did for me in Christ, a message of you need to have this experience or meet this expectation, it's going to be hard to uproot us from these spiritual truths and try to get us to relate to God through a set of spiritual disciplines. We're going to be strengthened. We're going to be established in what Jesus did for us. And then we're going to be able to resist those who would take us captive and take us away from what Jesus did for us, away from spiritual truth into some kinds of spiritual experiences or spiritual expectations or spiritual disciplines. Because go back up, talks about just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. So as we're overflowing with thankfulness, it's going to be really difficult for those who are putting pressure on us, religious pressure on us. It's going to be difficult for them to uproot us from the gospel of grace. We're going to be strengthened. We're going to be able to stand firm. We're not going to go back into legalism. We're going to know that Jesus is completely God and and we are complete in Christ, completely forgiven and righteous and under no condemnation, at peace with God, redeemed. All of our sins have been paid for. Christ lives completely in me. We call God Abba Father. So as we pray, as we pray, watching for those who would lead us away from grace, and as we pray, thankful for all that Jesus did for us through his grace, then we'll be able to stand firm in grace, resisting the pressure of those who would seek to lead us away from the God of grace and the grace of God. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to this teaching today. If you enjoy these teachings, you may also enjoy the resources on my website, gracereach.org, and you may also enjoy my books, which are available on Amazon. I also have a YouTube channel and a Facebook page, and you can find the links to all my resources and the details of this podcast teaching. If you'd like to support my ministry in reaching more and more people with the good news of God's grace and teaching more and more people about His grace, click the Donate button on the Grace Reach website, again, which is gracereach.org. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to this teaching today. I pray that through these teachings, you are understanding the Bible more fully and you're understanding God's grace more clearly. Have a great day.